Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello Serie A fan, Napoli no show in Turin breaks the league and Roma get their first freaking win. We get stuck into the Covid protocol debate and round up all the best deadline day and weekend action. Smalling says Rome is home and Inter get their Darmian. Elsewhere, Atalanta back up their tentative fighting talk while Inter and Lazio just fight. All that and more in this week's deadline day Scudetto. Hello and welcome to the show. I know I say this every week. But we really do have so much to get through in this episode. There was actually so much drama this week that we're not even going to talk about any football matches until the second half of the show. Partly because it's transfer deadline day and partly because Juventus didn't play, but instead picked up a default win against Napoli. Uh, We're obviously going to be getting into all of that shortly. But first, let me welcome back my two good friends and introduce you to three new good beers. Uh, Kenny, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, Oscar. How are you doing? Yes, not too bad. Thank you. Better now I've got a beer. What are you drinking this evening? I have got my hands on a Black Isle Brewing Company, uh, 21 Pale. It's a brewery from just north of uh, Inverness, actually. So not just a, a Scottish beer, but a Highland beer. Uh, it's It's quite nice. It's ever so slightly citrusy. But uh, yeah, quite quite nice and refreshing. Nice, very good. I've uh, followed your lead from last week and picked up a nice N17 beer. It's not a Necco, though. It's called Bloody L, uh, and it's a Blood Orange IPA. Still Beaver Town, though. It's still Beaver Town, exactly. Uh, it's good. It tastes like um, a Necco with a bit of orange juice in, which is fantastic in my book. Buzz, how are you getting on? I'm doing pretty well, guys. Great to catch up with you. Have you got a beer this evening, or have I missold the uh, free beers there? It would be I'd be remiss not to have a beer on this show. So um, I have a Malka Hindi IPA, which is a pretty standard IPA, locally brewed, keeping it local. Uh, very nice. Nice. Is that the same one you had a couple of weeks back, or is it different? I think I had it when we were before we started recording when we were talking about doing a podcast in the summer. So you guys might recognize it, but our listeners may not. Good stuff. New to the listeners. Right. Well, let's start with transfers uh, before we all get into an argument about Juve Napoli. Uh, <laughs> so, just spoiler for that for our listeners: there were some some words exchanged on the WhatsApp group. I might be refereeing a fight here this evening. <laughs> um, but no, first let's do transfers first. Um, so, what are the most notable moves? I think as a as a Roman Tottenham Hotspur supporter, I'm tempted to start with Chris Smalling. Might say strange for Man United to be letting defenders go after the weekend they had, but uh, it looks like this one's confirmed now, Kenny, doesn't it? Yeah, that that appears to to be the case um, on the basis of. Uh, Quite a few very very well positioned journalists uh, that we that we follow. 
it's just I'm I'm just surprised that it's taken so long. Really, I'm surprised that it's come down to to the wire like this, and there's been so much drama given that it's been very well known, really, for since since Smalling went back to to Man U at the end of his his loan that he was open to move to Roma. That that's. Uh, what Roma wanted as well, that Man United were open to, to letting him go. It's very indicative of the clubs involved. That this deal that everyone knew was going to happen went right down to the final hour of the final day. And reportedly took uh, an American legal team being brought in by Dan Friedkin to get it over the line. And honestly, I hope I hope Friedkin, if Dan Friedkin is going to uh, change some of the practices at Roma because, again... They haven't signed well this summer, in my opinion, and I think part of the problem was that there was there was a lot of uncertainty around the, the club off the field. I was just going to say, I, I I do think Pedro. I know he's getting on, but I think he'll be a good signing for them, and Kumbula will. And ultimately, although it was an absolute mess by the sounds of it, Smalling was by all accounts great for them last season. So good to get make that permanent. Definitely, and we the only thing is maybe they need, a, as they say in Italy, a Vice Zeko, someone to be Zeko's uh, replacement or someone to let uh, Edin uh, take a breather once in a while. Yeah, fair comment. And they did sign uh, Borja Mayoral from uh, Real Madrid. I, I'll admit I don't know too much about the player, but in theory he's the striker that should be playing that role. Sure. Anyway, it's not going to be Justin Cliver, as we now know. Yeah, someone on this pod uh, mentioned Justin as his uh, young player of the season to watch out for, and uh, it didn't quite work out, Oscar. Uh, I thought we were talking about the Bundesliga. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about Roma on the field in the in the second part, but I think it's, uh, it's fair to say they, they probably will be happy to have Smalling back. Anyway, um, what other notable transfers? Uh, Chiesa to Juve, uh, Boaz, not a good move in your book. Um, I think Kenny should start with this one because I know he's a fan of Chiesa's, as am I, but I think uh, Kenny probably sees more of the positive in this deal, whereas I'm probably <laughs> seeing the... <laughs> Yeah, well, I, 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 I know that this is a deal that a lot of Juve fans actually kind of are scratching their, their heads about a bit. I think in large part because of the the high price tag, and it is a, a high price tag, especially in the scenario we're in, where people are kind of scratching about for for loan deals and things. But I do think he's he is an excellent talent. He fits the profile of what Juve want. Uh, he's he's still young. He's he's twenty two, just coming up for for twenty three. And he's looked a lot better uh, this season at Fiorentina back on on the right side. Fair enough, he's only he's only played three games, but I do think that he is uh, much better played out there. Uh, and to, one of the things I think that Boaz mentioned, uh, which he'll probably go into a little bit more uh, afterwards, is that they they have Kulusevski who can who can play right, and I do think that that's that is fair comment. But I think that. Kulusevski can can and will be used in more positions that, than that. I think he he will play as a trequartista. He will occasionally play in 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 a front pairing. Chiesa, on the other hand, is very much either a right winger for me or a, a right midfielder. Not a not a right wing back, as a lot of Fiorentina fans will will be pointing out, uh, which is how Yakini has used him. But um, I think it makes it takes a lot of boxes for for Juventus, and 
to be honest, with the price tag as well, you have to say that it ticks a lot of boxes for Fiorentina as well. So what was the problem with the transfer? I think perhaps uh, if he had signed for Milan, I would have been happy to see him play for my club. But I think that says more about the kind of caliber of players Milan are looking at right now compared to Juventus. I feel that um, a good reflection of where his career could go is just looking at Bernadeschi, who kind of uh, transferred from Fiorentina in much the same way a couple of few years back, has failed to shine. And I don't think he's seen the field this year yet. So signing Chiesa, which... Again, as a player, I rate, don't get me wrong. But I feel that um, Juventus' squad had uh, some issues in other areas where Chiesa will not be the, the solution. Uh, for example, the left-back place where Pirlo obviously did not uh, deem uh, De Chilio to be of the highest standards and he sent, he sent him off to Lyon on loan in uh, the last game before this weekend that we're going to mention later, Cuadrado played in that position. I think Juventus have signed well this this summer with uh, Kulusevski, who we've spoken about, and Arthur, who I, I've been told not to call him King Arthur because the only King Arthur is Vidal, apparently. So I've been told off by my Inter fans. But, <laughs> um, um, but again, I feel the Chiesa signing, it ticks a lot of boxes because he's Italian, because it's kind of a flash signing. But I'm not sure it's going to be beneficial either for the player or the club in the long run. I, I did. Uh, I actually just want to to jump into to, to say I totally agree with you on the the left back um, issue. That appears to be something that Pirlo wanted resolved, which hasn't been resolved. So yeah, maybe maybe a left back would have been more of a priority. I still think Kiesa will be an excellent signing. And also, I, while we're speaking about Juventus, we might as well raise some question marks about the Douglas Costa transfer. While he did seem to spend an awful lot of time uh, in injured, uh, so much so that some of the jokes on Twitter were that uh, the Juve medical team were were crying because it, it was like they lost a son. But um, <laughs> let's not forget that uh, Juventus signed this guy for $40 million from Bayern just three years ago, and now they're sending him out on loan. So again, it, there seems to be some lack of a long-term strategy there with regards to some of these players that they sign and then don't really know what to do with them. And, and the left-back position has been a problematic position back in, uh, even in Allegri's day. So it's not something that's just popped up today on, in mid-October. Speaking of uh, teams that need to fill a position, Kenny, you've been telling us that Fiorentina need to sign a striker for the last three weeks. Uh, they've signed Callihan, <laughs> not really a striker. <laughs> uh, but how's that going to work out? Well, I mean, their game against Sampdoria was yet more evidence of the fact that they need to sign a striker. In fairness, it sounds like they've been trying to do it. They're after Piatek uh, for a while. They apparently were in the mix for, for Milik as well. But uh, Callihan, uh, sorry, Callihan, I think, will be uh, an excellent signing and they did need to replace uh, Chiesa. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. It's great to see that Calderon has come with his Peaky Blinders look from Naples. <laughs> yeah, still rocking the tash, which uh, which is good to see. But yeah, they needed, I mean, priority number one for Fiorentina, aside from maybe replacing Chiesa, was a striker and they've brought in a centre-back and a left-back. So we'll see how that goes. But I I do fear slightly for Iacchini and um, yeah, that, that's going to be a problem that I think will haunt them. 
Yeah, um, finally a team that don't need to sign any strikers. Napoli seem to have kept hold of all of theirs. Someone's written here that they've got 50 strikers. I think that's an exaggeration. But uh, Urente's move to Samp fell through. Uh, it looks like Milik staying. Osimhen, of course. Osimhen, of course, but it looks like he's going to be playing. Catania. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got at least four. <laughs> I mean, Insignia can play there. Mertens is kind of a striker. Yeah, they're pretty well stocked up front. They've got a fairly imbalanced team. They did sign uh, Bakayoko, who um, was formerly on loan at Milan and was on loan at uh, Monaco last year. And I think that's a really good signing for them because uh, he'll do a lot of the dirty work and a lot of the running so that the guys up front can benefit from uh, getting pure chances. That sounds sensible. Um, other moves, Inter have managed to sign Darmian on loan. I, uh, if Darmian and Kolo were the answer, I'm not sure what the question is. Yeah, the most protracted low-key transfer move ever. <laughs> We've been speaking about Darmian coming in for weeks. It's gone down to the wire and, I mean, it's not really that exciting, is it? Let's put it this way. There will be no fans in Piazza Duomo tonight with uh, Darmian shirts. <laughs> Okay, I think that's it for the kind of main transfer talk. The other transfer that is worth mentioning is um, Kalinic made a move to Verona, which is a good move for Verona. Fans of the game will remember that this is the player who uh, decided to drop out of the Croatia side that made it to the World Cup final a few days into the tournament. So, uh, And he was supposed to stay at Roma. He played for Milan. He's been at Atletico Madrid. A lot of big clubs, but not a lot of goals, I would say. And I wanted to say on the on I guess the flip side of the coin uh, that what uh, what transfer window Sassuolo have had by managing to to keep hold of their stars. I mean, throughout the summer it looked like they were all supposedly being being shipped off. Bolga was going, Locatelli was going to to Juventus, and they've managed to keep hold of them all. Uh, they've started like an absolute rocket, and yeah, fair play to them. Right, but that's definitely enough transfer talk for now um so i think it's time to uh discuss juventus napoli um, before we discuss juventus napoli uh can you just mention jeremy boga so uh let it's worth giving him an honorable mention because he announced today on twitter that he no longer has covid and uh he was first um diagnosed in back in on the 20th of august so it's been a while and it's good to see him healthy again okay so now juventus napoli as I mentioned earlier, there's been some disagreement about this. And for anyone that doesn't know, these are the facts. So Juventus rewarded a 3-0 default win for this game after Napoli didn't turn up. Napoli had two positive coronavirus tests this week after playing Genoa, had 17 positive tests this week. The league said that according to the protocol, all the teams have agreed on, the game should go ahead if both teams have a minimum of 13 players available. But the Naples Health Authority told Napoli that they couldn't go. Napoli asked for the game to be postponed. The league said no, default win to Juventus. Boaz, right decision? It's a tough question. I think, first of all, the, a lot of the discourse on the internet in the past couple of days is focused around fans of either club and also generally fans who dislike Juventus or dislike Napoli. It's been very heated and maybe some people have lost uh, focus on the things that really matter, which is obviously the health of people and the players. Having said that, um, as soon as this decision was taken by the local health authority, it puts the whole league into jeopardy. Every single club has agreed to, to these rules. These are the same rules that are being used in uh, Spain, in England, in France, etc. 
And therefore, um, as soon as Italy steps out of line with these rules, it, you know, what's going to happen next? And also it sets an unfortunate precedent where, for example, AC Milan played a few games now without Zlatan Ibrahimovic. We've had other clubs not not have their players show up and, and they've had to go ahead with the games. And Napoli, who, in my opinion, they didn't do anything wrong. I don't blame them. I just think that this whole um, confusion should have been sorted off the field rather than um, this whole pantomime that was shown live in 220 countries. Agree. I'm not saying that this is what happened. You don't want a situation where clubs can influence the local health authority to give them a pass out of game, like you say, if there's key personnel out. But Kenny, what do we think about the way that Juventus have handled this? Yeah, so I mean, I'll I'll answer your question first uh, before coming back to a couple of points that that Boaz raised. This is one of my problems with this. It's not the fact that Juventus were prepared to to go ahead and play and that they followed the the letter of the law. Uh, that is all that they really could have done. What what I do think was in slightly bad taste was that, uh, and listeners will hopefully forgive me if I if I've got the timeline wrong on this, but it, it seems to have been that. Juventus came out and made a statement, issued a issued a statement on every single channel available to them that their players were going to be taking to the field. And this was before uh, the league had even announced that the game was going ahead as planned. Uh, I don't think that they needed to do that. I don't think they had to make Agnelli available for interview to every media outlet out there. Um, I don't feel that they needed to make a big pantomime on social media, showing the team coach arriving, announcing the the formation. Uh, I just think that it's been in bad taste, and I I I hope they don't find themselves in the same situation. But I think if Juve do find themselves in the same situation in uh, in the coming weeks then they might have burned a few bridges. I say that acknowledging the fact that Juve do have their own cases of uh, positive uh, test results for for COVID. But, you know, I I think the Napoli situation is very, very particular. I'll happily come on to that next, but I don't know if either of you had any any thoughts on Juve's response. It was total trolling, let's be honest. It was, uh, I mean, it was laughable. I loved it, but... Really bad taste, as you said. Uh, the whole world was checking out their their feeds, and here they are parading like the game was going ahead as usual. Brings a whole new kind of uh, whole new angle to fake news, announcing a lineup for a game that <laughs> everyone knows. Okay. I, I I sent I sent in, the, in our little WhatsApp group. I told you guys like if if Pirlo was part of the trolling that was going on, he might as well just have named like a team with. Buffon and Chesney up front and Ronaldo in goal. Anyway, <laughs> everyone knew Napoli weren't showing up. And while we're talking about Agnelli, I just think we should uh, give an honourable mention for the Twitter account, Real Don Agnelli. <laughs> it's great. I, isn't I, it? I won't, won't say more, but just check it out. <laughs> um, I did want to say on the, on the whole... Uh... On the whole way that the situation has been handled, I understand exactly where where everyone's where Boaz is coming from, and that he's not certainly not the the only one to to take that view. I think that the Napoli case is a very particular case. They played against Genoa, as you mentioned. Uh, the the timeline of uh, the infections at Napoli 
fall exactly into when we've all been told i'm not a i'm not a scientist i think i've made this perfectly clear in previous pods but the timelines that we've all been told about when people you know contract covid-19 into when they start showing symptoms we've all been told that people can test negative if they're not showing symptoms early on uh, even though they might have the disease they had a player test positive 2 days before a game five days before, uh, after the, the, the previous game uh, in question against Genoa. They had a second player test positive the following day, so one day before the match. They could have had no idea of how many players would have come out in the, in the following couple of days tested positive. And then all of a sudden you're putting Juve in exactly the same boat that Napoli are in, all of their players at risk. I Totally, totally agree that the protocol is a good one and that in normal circumstances, it should be followed to the letter of the law. I think this is a global pandemic. Uh, it's a deadly, deadly virus still. And you, you have to be fluid with this. You have to kind of exercise some common sense as well. And to me, common sense says that that game shouldn't have gone ahead. Uh, and I don't blame Juve for, for that, but I think the league should have uh, adopted a different position. And it has to be said that uh, this notion that Napoli somehow gained an advantage by not playing this game is flawed. We were just we were speaking about the games just last week, and let's be honest, Juventus kind of struggled versus Roma, and uh, Napoli really smashed Genoa. If COVID didn't exist, I'm not sure that uh, Na- that Napoli heading to Turin right now wouldn't I wouldn't see Napoli as kind of slight favorites considering how the games have gone. Yeah, and um, I have to say we were all amused by uh, the Juventus official Twitter account uh, tweeting that Juve always just following the rules as they always do. I mean, no comment on whether that's true or not. No comment. A bit on the nose in light of uh, you know, Calciopoli and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And let's not mention that word. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, just to uh, lighten the mood a bit, I'd like to uh, kick off the honourable mentions with Martin Darun who in response to the news that Arsenal's mascot, the Gunnosaurus, had been made redundant, tweeted his club asking them to sign him up. No confirmation on whether or not this transfer <laughs> came off. Uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. Is it subject to the usual transfer window or are they allowed to sign him out of the window? I think they have their own separate international league. I'm not sure who the president is. It might be Donald Agnelli. <laughs> Martin Darun is absolutely top uh top quality value on uh, on social media. He, he seems like a very funny guy, doesn't he? Indeed. Uh, right, what else do we have for honourable mentions? I'd love to give an honourable mention to uh, new Parma president Kyle Krauss, who's uh, been announcing the various players that Parma have signed over the transfer window, which I might add are not particularly exciting signings. I mean, some very functional players, but let's, say, let's put it this way. He hasn't brought... Um, Messi to the Tardini, uh, but anyways, he's he's been announcing the players by uh, emojis and just like first pl- uh, posting their national flag and then slowly, exp- if it's a striker, there's a foot or a ball or basically it's it's very fourteen year old girl on Snapchat. So kudos to him. I, I love that he's embracing the format. Good stuff. Uh, I think you've got a couple more for us, Buzz, haven't you? Last week, we, we, we launched a new segment called uh, Keeping Up with the Italians, which was a kind of a lighthearted uh, introduction to the opponents of the Italian teams. And we spoke about Rio Ave, who Milan were facing. And let's face it, we were a little bit dismissive. 
anyway, Rio Ave took it to 100 and to 120 minutes. They were leading right until six seconds before the end when Milan were awarded the penalty. They then proceeded to take uh, to have one of the longest penalty shootouts ever. I'm sure you guys have seen it on Twitter, but essentially Rio Ave had, uh, I, I believe it was three chances to uh, win the game, uh, and they missed each time hitting the post and. Also, the two goalkeepers ended up lining up and uh, both of them hit the ball to the stars. So, um, weird and strange European night of football. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I just announced that Milan had never lost a game since my son was born. And then I, I was really, like, ready to bite my tongue. Yeah, so um, on that note, apologies to our Portugal correspondent, Rivaldo Martins, uh, for dismissing Rio Ave. Uh, we'll let him have his say now. Not an easy game to Milan. Penalties. 2-2 <laughs> two, two in the last second of the, 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 the um, extra time. Not not an easy game. Tell your friend, I, 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 I told you, I told, I told him uh, the stadium will be with very, very, very windy. Thank you, Rivaldo. You're certainly not wrong about the weather. We'll be right back. Hello City A fan, make Scudetto a part of your weekly football fix. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite listening platform and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at ScudettoPod. We'd love to have you on the squad. Welcome back. Uh, you thought we were done with transfer talk and so did we, but during the break... Uh, we've had two more transfers announced. We don't have time to analyse them, but uh, Uruguayan international Laxalt has signed to Celtic and uh, De La Feo has made the unexpected move from Watford to Udinese. Right, we're going to give you a whistle-stop tour through the weekend's football, but first, we answer your questions. Um, so you've been sending them in via Twitter and WhatsApp. Uh, first question comes in from Rob. He says, what's the score with Ericsson? Is he surplus to requirements or is he just going to have to be content with being a squad player? Um, so we saw earlier earlier today the news that Ericsson rejected a loan move to Hertha Berlin. So he's certainly, even if he, he could have been deemed surplus to requirements, they haven't managed to get rid of him. So it looks like he will be a squad player. What, what do you think about that one, Kenny? Uh, I mean, I feel I feel bad. I loved uh, I loved Christian Eriksen at, at Spurs. Uh, I think he's uh, he's a great player. He's just not great for Inter. He just doesn't fit the type of football that Antonio Conte plays. I think it does look like he's going to have to be content with being a squad player. Who knows? Uh, you know, unexpected things happen in football. Um, to be honest, I don't. I can't even really blame Conte for it because I just think that he, he's tried to find a way to make Ericsson fit into the, the system and he it, it, it just doesn't work. He needs to be a team that plays a different type of football, a team that plays kind of a high press where his his work rate kind of is a real asset. He, he needs to play a different formation. He just doesn't work in Conte's football. Nothing against Conte, not anything bad to say about Ericsson. He's not become a bad footballer overnight. I just think he's in the wrong place. So uh, feel for him. Hope he gets a good move in January. I do agree with you. But at the same time, whenever he came on Conte last season, he was making a real impact in games. I wonder if he's getting to the point in his career where he might be sort of content to 
be an impact. Just come on and be a match winner. Yeah. I think he's got a lot more to offer than that. And if you look at the raw stats uh, for his the games he has played this season, he's actually been quite effective. I think he had a 93% pass completion versus Fiorentina. I think it's one of those situations where the you, what we see on television might not necessarily reflect the work that the player is putting in on the field. In addition, um, Inter have swapped seven players in the games. They, they played two games this week. Uh, they beat Benevento. 5-2 earlier in midweek and they played uh, a lot they played a draw against Lazio which I guess we'll get on to but the point is Conte made seven swaps in one of those games and I think uh, it's a long season and uh, Ericsson could definitely become useful later in the season or even if they want to play with one or two or a few different formations. Yeah moving on we have one more question on <laughs> another bit of transfer talk. Uh, Ahmed Traore to Manchester United has just been confirmed. Viola Club Israel asks for our thoughts on that. It's another great piece of business by Atalanta, isn't it? Uh, it's, there's two two sides to this. Uh, yes, great, great piece of business by, by Atalanta. Uh, it's similar to the Kruzevsky one. He's got a huge amount of potential. Anyone who has followed Atalanta even remotely closely over the last few years, has known that he's been coming through. Papu Gomez himself said, look, this guy's going to be a great player. He is, he is. But um, he just he, he, he's a winger. Atalanta don't really play with wingers. And they've managed to get 30 million plus for a player who's played about three senior games for them. So that's just yet more proof of what a fantastic job Atalanta do at just creating this this football factory that keeps them not just keeps them afloat but allows them to thrive incredible uh for man united i think they're getting a very good player and i really really hope he he shines in english football yeah i mean he's going to be playing for man united so hope he doesn't try <laughs> too brightly <laughs> was there not a second half to that question there was a second half to that question um, were there any other transfer deals that you expected or wanted to go through that didn't so I, we mentioned earlier that uh, Juventus were probably in the market for a uh, left back and they didn't get one. We also mentioned that both Roma and Fiorentina could have done with a striker and uh, they didn't get one. From a personal point of view, I have to say that uh, Milan were linked with a lot of centre-backs and probably that's the area of the field where they're most weak. To, to my knowledge, no one was signed today, so they're going to make do with... Uh, what they have, and Romagnoli is coming back from injury, so I guess that's a, a positive sign on that. Messi to Napoli, exactly. <laughs> this, I keep forgetting that this is my uh, this is my crusade <laughs> for two thousand for twenty twenty one. Messi to Napoli, but yeah, Messi to Inter also would have been fun just to have him in Serie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one more serious question uh, from Mike: forgetting about budget, star player, trophy history, etc. So all of the important factors. As of right now, which is more likely to happen, Atalanta to win Serie A or Juventus in the Champions League? For me, it's, it's got to be Atalanta winning Serie A. If you look at the odds that the Atalanta to win Serie A is far more likely to happen than Juventus uh, winning the Champions League. Absolutely, Atalanta to win Serie A. Okay, one more question or, or, or more of a request from Mike. Uh, he says, for the potter with the sexy Italian-Scottish hybrid accent, will you please say the following very slowly? Maldini and Donadoni had a quarrel. It was over <laughs> Albertini's lack of morals. Okay. Okay, here we go. Okay. 
Maldini and Donadoni had a quarrel. It was over Albertini's lack of morals. I was at. Yeah, so it's very good. Do you want any disclaimers <laughs> uh, for what usage of that piece of audio, or are you happy to do no, what you Creative Commons. Want to do with it? Just okay. use it as you see fit. Fantastic. Right. Time to talk about some football. Uh, so we'll start off with uh, Inter 1, Lazio 1. Um, I've only seen the red cards in this game, which were highly amusing. Kent, you watched it. Uh, what, are the, what are the talking points? Yeah, well, I, th- I think the talking point has to be, again, um, as I just mentioned, uh, Inter really should have won this game. They were probably the better side. It wasn't the most attractive game of football, but Inter, I think, definitely had the, the better of it despite the fact that Lazio probably had the the better chances. Uh, but Inter managed to get themselves in front and really a game that they should have put to bed, they didn't. Uh, and that is something that we saw happen last season. Uh, and these these things creeping in aren't really great for Inter, but I think the main talking points have to be the sendings off. Uh, as you said, uh, Immobile, I've got no idea what, what he was thinking, but uh, he got absolutely suckered by, by Vidal and uh, completely right that, that he got sent off basically for slapping Vidal on the on the ear. Shade of Busquets with, uh, with Vidal there, though. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Vidal definitely knew what he was doing and the holding his uh, holding his nose when it was his ear that got hit but I, I think Immobile as well just for good measure gouged a good bit of his shirt as well and the follow-through from the the slap but just stupid from Immobile he had to go the the sensi one on the other hand was probably more comical because to my mind he doesn't actually it's not like he physically hits the uh the opponent he doesn't hit Patrick really he kind of pushes him away he pushes him away on the on the collarbone from from the the views that I saw it wasn't like a throat or anything like that and uh, Patrick just went down as if yeah uh, in a similar way to the way Vidal went went down if we're if we're being balanced about this but uh, I I don't see how VAR doesn't overturn that because that was never a sending off it was excellent, wasn't it? The way he went down, especially oh, yeah. as Bastoni tried to interse- intercept him and stop him going to ground. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was it. comical all round, really, wasn't it? And uh, honourable mention to uh, Handanovic for the cap. We like to see a goalkeeper in a cap, or at least I do. <laughs> okay, um, and Udinese nil, Roma one. The first freaking win, Baz. was uh, a lovely goal from Pedro, wasn't it? Uh, not. The most coherent performance from Roma. Obviously, we we spoke earlier about their activity in the transfer market. Um, Dzeko still looked a little bit off his game, perhaps, after the uh, transfer debacle we've spoken about on previous pods. It looked like he was going to Juve. He wasn't going to Juve. It was back on. Um, He missed a couple of sitters in uh, what Kenny referred to as um, Edin's pardon last last week. I'm so gutted we didn't use that. But um, he was—he missed a quite. I mean, he did really well to bring down onto his chest a, a long ball, but uh, shanked the one-on-one and just didn't quite look himself. What did you make of Roma's all-round performance? I feel Roma were saved by a wonder goal from Pedro. Although it has to be said that there was—they had a very good penalty shot that I, I'm not sure how it wasn't given. But in any case. Um, Roma seem to be on the right path, and uh, up until now, the, the, a lot of elements of their game have come good, but uh, finishing has been a problem. Uh, as you mentioned, Zeko is a little bit off the pace. 
possibly his mind was turned through all the summer activity or maybe he's just a little bit tired because he did play a lot of games and he looked a little bit tired at the end of last season as well. But um, as we mentioned earlier on, the addition of a new striker will, will do them wonders. I think, as I said, I think Roma are on the right path right now and uh, it's a season where I feel they're probably challenging for the Europa League, but still um, there's good things happening there if Friedkin gets his, um, gets his plan on the road. Yeah, and moving on swiftly, because we've still got two more games to get through, we continue our um, praise of Atalanta, Serie A contenders this season, who beat Cagliari 5-2. Um, 13 goals in their opening three games. Um, n- no longer slow starters, can we? Yeah, boring, boring Atalanta, isn't it? Predictable Atalanta. Uh, yeah, another another great great performance uh, for, from them. And uh, yeah, I, I pretty much run out of superlatives at this point, to be honest. Good to see uh, Lammers coming on. Uh, he, he did uh, make an appearance in, in Atalanta's last outing, but got a bit longer in this one. I think he, he had the best part of half an hour took his goal absolutely excellently I would urge anyone who hasn't seen the, the highlights to to watch the footwork on display there uh, really 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 wonderful but on, on the other side of the equation Godin also managed to get himself a, a, a debut goal it was a yeah really really enjoyable game to watch uh, I am particularly uh, pleased to see football back at the Gewis Stadium uh, it's looking really, really good after yet another facelift. And like, like you said, Oscar, yeah, you can't really, we can't really talk about Atalanta being slow starters anymore. That's them. Uh, three games, three wins, uh, thirteen goals was it you said? Uh, and I think last season they got six points from their from their opening three games. And the season before that were obviously more forgettable uh, openings. But uh, yeah, Bodswell, Bodswell looks good for Atalanta going, uh, you know, going into the international break. On the flip side, we have to mention that, uh, and this is becoming a bit of a re- repeat line for me, but you have to wonder if Eusebio Di Francesco is the right man for Cagliari. Um, I was kind of baffled by the appointment in the summer and so far he hasn't really, apart from a draw with Sassuolo in the first match of the season, um, I think they're on one point and they've not really shown in any way with their gameplay. I hear Walter Zenga is uh, is available, free and available. And for the last game, uh, Milan continue their winning run uh, during your son's lifetime, Boaz. F- 3-0 and uh, not a default. How did, how did they look? Um, Milan were very tired from the match we mentioned uh, in midweek in Europe, but they fielded uh, the youngest side um, in Serie A since Opta had been keeping these stats. So uh, as I meant, as we said on our Twitter feed, it looks like someone in at Milan's management is uh, playing a real-life version of football manager and just signing really young players. Of note is that Leao got two goals. Uh, he started off a bit sluggish and he looked very he looked off the pace as well in midweek. But two goals, I think in the long run, he could be a Henri-type player. You know, currently a winger, but maybe better suited to be a finisher in the long run. Milan also had gave a debut to their um, Norwegian signing Haug, who was uh, who they played they, they played against just a couple of weeks ago. So um, they insisted that they were tracking him before the game. They they also mentioned that apparently some other clubs were after him. I'm not sure. I don't know. But either way, 
Um, it's a nice story. It's nice to see that Milan. Uh, it's nice to see a player shine in uh, almost meaningless uh, midsummer pre 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 qualifier and get the big move to uh, what was once a big club and aims to be a big club as well. Other than that, um, pretty uh, another fantastic performance from Teo Hernandez. And uh, this brings me on to a spontaneous dishonorable mention. You have to think that Real Madrid could be fielding Hakimi on the right and Teo Hernandez on the left for the next 10 years, but instead they're not. Big mistake, if you ask me. Yeah, and uh, we'll just go straight into the rest of the uh, dishonorable and honorable mentions. The Fonseca quote, Buzz. Fonseca was uh, was asked, apparently uh, Diawara seems to get mentioned in every pod for one reason or another. But either way, <laughs> apparently uh, his agent was kind of uh, making a bit of a noise because uh, Diawara wasn't getting enough game time. And uh, Fonseca basically, he, his answer was very to the point. Um, if the player wants to play, this is not the way to go about it. He's not going to change my mind this way. So uh, I like that. And Kenny, uh, I mentioned for Benevento. Yeah, just another great result for Benevento, picking up another three points against Bologna, who, yeah, I think most people fancied to actually win this game going into it. Um, don't think it's unfair to say that. Good to see Hickey also for on Bologna's side getting his uh, his second appearance. Perhaps not the result that he would have wanted, but certainly seemed to have a great a great debut for Bologna in the the four one victory against Parma in midweek. The very handsome man. <laughs> I'm not I'm not 100 percent convinced by the curtains though, if I'm honest. But my my other honorable mention is just because I don't fe- I feel like we have to speak about Sassuolo and uh, we haven't really given them much much time in these pods, and I hope that we do. But Sassuolo for a brief for a brief moment on Saturday night were top of uh, Serie A. They were top of Serie A Feminile. They were top of the Primavera Serie. A which in itself is an incredible accomplishment, but rendered all the more beautiful by the fact that they, they quoted uh, David Bowie uh, in, in a tweet with a screen grab of the three tables saying, we can be heroes just for one day. So definite honourable mention for that from me. Fair enough. That's a, a good use of Twitter. Um, a dishonourable mention for a use of Twitter goes to Inter Milan for their influencer pack. I don't think we need to say too much about it. Um, We'll we'll send you a link and uh, you can you can tell us what you think. And I do have one more honorable mention that I feel is uh, worth worth talking about in this pod is that um, tonight uh, Juventus will be playing a game. They're, the Juventus female team is playing against the Milan female team, and it's the first time that they play in um, in San Siro. So it's a big occasion, and it's another chance to see women's football develop in Italy. So. Uh, We'll be glad to follow that and the result will come in after we record, but still pretty good. That definitely is all we've got time for. All that remains is for me to urge you to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your audio. We'll be back next week. Until then, enjoy the football. Hold up, what was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.